Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. I'm Jody Mullen, and I'm the host of this podcast. This series, uh, this podcast is a series of podcasts that's dedicated to helping parents and other professionals who are connected with children, um, who want to see children behave and be their best. I'm in a unique position to share this with you because I've been a child counselor and play therapist for 20 years. I'm also a mom, so I have that perspective, too, that many of you out there listening have. I learned my lessons from my child clients and from my own children. This has informed my parenting as well as the parent coaching that I do as part of my clinical practice. I recognize in working with thousands of children and parents that there are some simple principles for parenting. I'll cover more than 20 clips principles for blissful parenting so you too can have freakishly well-behaved kids. These principles are simple and life-altering. They will change and enhance the relationships you have with children, how children behave, how you feel about yourself around children, and your overall parenting esteem. You'll feel better about yourself as a parent. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about a specific issue, principle, or lesson, and how you can apply it. We have a special guest today, and our conversation um, will be about parenting and children. You'll want to stay tuned for my upcoming book about parenting, and check out my website at jodyannmullen.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jody Mullen, um, and check us out on Instagram on at naughty underscore no underscore more. Um, the naughty no more thing I just want to tell you about quickly before we get started is um, that that is a workbook created that I created with my kids and my husband to help kids make good decisions. It's available now, and it's easy to order and get your copy. You can do that by just calling 315-342-9255 or www.integrativecounseling.us. Indicate that you listen to the show, and you can get the book for $8. All right. So let's, enough of that nonsense, let's go ahead and um, meet and talk to our guest today um, because there's an awful lot that we can learn from her. So our guest today is Dr. Laura Johnson. Welcome, Laura. Thank you, Jody. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about how to support kids who have a deployed parent or have had a deployed parent um, because they have some unique challenges um, that... The, some, the other kids that we work with and that we support and that we love might not have. And Laura is the perfect person to have this conversation with. Um, and Laura, you know what I'm going to do because your, your bio is so extensive. I'm going to have you tell us why you're the perfect. I mean, I already know this. But could you tell the rest of the audience <laughs> why, you're the, why you're the perfect person to talk to us about this? I would love to. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, just thank you so much for having me on the show. I, it's such an honor and a privilege. And for anyone who does not know, Jody was my very favorite professor in all of my graduate training. <laughs> so I feel honored to be here. Um, thank much you. like Jody, well, you're welcome. And much like Jody, my professional experience was informed by my personal life. So not only do I have, I have a master's in counseling um, and I have a doctorate in psychology, but I also was a former soldier. I'm married to a soldier who has deployed, um, and I'm the mom of a daughter who has gone through those deployments with me. <clears throat> so really it's both the 
the knowledge that I gained in all my graduate training and then really just a real-life application of being that mom who, who stayed home with a, a, a daughter whose daddy was deploying. So that's probably where I get the most of my, uh, my experience from that. Thank you. And, and that's really perfect. I mean, one of the things, um, like Laura said, she was a former student of mine, and I was lucky enough to have um, in my role as a professor um, many students that were military-connected, either spouses or in the military themselves. And one of the things that you really learn um, as a like, non-military person is it's a whole culture in and of itself. And so for me to be able to be help, helpful to not just the children that I work with who um, are military families, but to, the, to help support non -de the non-deployed parent or help support, support both parents when, um, what, you know, when the person returns is I didn't know, I wouldn't have a language for that if I didn't have, you know, Laura and a bunch of other students in my, in my classes before because there really is, you know, a separate language for that. And I, and I think part of how we support kids who have a deployed parent or, have, or that their parent has returned from deployment even, is just by recognizing that um, if we're not military correct, connected, we are probably lacking a lot of important information and language and understanding of the system. And so I guess, you know, Laura, before I ask, I, I do have a first question that I want to ask you, but before I even say that, I guess I would just want to check in and make sure that that's an you know, an accurate um, assessment that I have from a non-military perspective. 100% accurate. It's interesting. In my current position, I'm the chief of the behavioral health department at Ireland Army Community Hospital, which is at Fort Knox. So I am over all of the providers that provide mental health services for our soldiers and their family members. And many of my providers who I've been able to hire do not have any military background. And so when a soldier or their family comes in and says, um, we're going to PCS the, um, <laughs> you know, I just got, uh, the off-tempo around here is crazy. We're going to PCS. I'm thinking about ETSing. I might need an MEB. That provider <laughs> has no idea. <laughs> what they're saying is we're probably going to have to move because the operational tempo or the daily taskings are so crazy. I'm thinking about ending my term of service getting out of the Army. You know, and an MEB is a medical evaluation board because they've been injured in the line of duty. So th this can cause a lot of issues because if you have to mm -hmm. stop every single time and say, what is that, what is that, what is that, it can get in the way. Right, um, right. But so I tell my providers, let them educate you. Um, don't feel like you have to know everything. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just go with it, and if something seems crucial and the story isn't making any sense, check it. Let them educate you. Soldiers love to be experts. We all love to be experts. Ask, you know, right. ask a question. <laughs> Tell me about that, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Soldiers will talk about FOB. Well, if you don't know what a FOB is, it's a forward operating base. You know, I think of a key right. FOB, you know. <laughs> so the story yeah, might not make right. sense. But <laughs> the bottom line is it's like everything else. Ask those clarifying questions. But, okay. But exactly right. Well, one of the things I'm sorry to interrupt you. One of the things that you, when you say that, I, I think is re is really helpful for um, you know, maybe not so much parents, but the professionals, whether they're educational or mental health professionals listening, is that 
let the child be the expert, you know. Um, if you don't have direct contact with the parent or, you know, so much contact with the parent, it sounds like we can also learn a lot from the kids because they do know that language and they do, you know, and they are part of that culture. Absolutely. And so important to give them that that role where they are the expert on something because I think especially during a deployment, there's so much that they feel um, out of control about. So if they can okay. be looked at as an expert, it's so empowering. Okay. So that's where I want to go next, actually, Laura. Thank you. Is I want to talk about what are some of the challenges that children typically face when they have a parent who is deployed? You know, I think it, it, it definitely varies by age group, you know, just kind of the different developmental stages, because some, the younger children may not even understand why the parent is leaving. Right. Um, so, but I think the common, what we found, what the, the literature suggests, what the common link here is that those children are worried about what is going to happen to them. What, is, what does okay. this mean for me? Mm-hmm. You know, they're worried about that. The, they're worried about the deploying parent. They're worried about the non-deploying parent. Because children, as you know, are excellent yeah. at reading feelings and whatever else is going on in the family. They mm-hmm. read that. So they know there's all this uncertainty, question looming for them, is how, what, what's going to happen to me? Who's going to take care of me? Is the non-deployed parent going to leave too? So yeah. finding a way yeah. to, to support that. You know, and, and it's one thing, as you know, um, it's one thing to tell them, I'm going to take care of you, your mom's going to take care of you, your, your dad's going to take whomever. Um, the teachers are going to be there, your counselor will be there for you. It's one thing to tell them that, but it's an entirely different thing to simply show them. And as you know, children, adults, everyone, really thrives with a routine and consistency. Mm-hmm. We have to have that predictability. And this is something that deployment is something that takes all of that predictability out. Yeah. So finding a way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so finding a way. To create stability and consistency. I, I mean, we've talked about that. Uh, you know, people have listened to this podcast before, you know, they know. I mean, we've, ta- we've talked about it no matter what. <laughs> it's almost like no matter what our topic is, ultimately the theme is stability and consistency. Stability and consistency because that, you know, it helps ultimately just, you know, keep kids grounded and help them feel settled and contained. And so so even though um, there might be a huge change with their one of their parents being deployed, it's like, well, what can you keep the same? So I'm just trying to see, is that what you're saying here? Right. And, you know, I think one of the easiest things to keep the same um, is daily activities. You know, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to go to school. They're going to have breakfast. They're going to pack a lunch. They're going to come home. Um, they're going to do their homework. What, they're going to have a babysitter maybe for a little while. My favorite right. piece to keep consistent is bedtime. Um, okay. That's a huge. That's very huge. You, you end the day right. Um, and by right, I mean I like to build in an enjoyable treat for the child um, and, quite frankly, for the parent 
Uh, it's important for them to take care of themselves as well. <laughs> but to building an important treat at the end of every day. And I, um, much like you, uh, love the whole concept of reading with children, reading to children, regardless of their age. Truly, they will love it. If you have an adolescent, you know, maybe you're reading the same book at the same time, mm-hmm. and then you have something to discuss. Or if it's a younger child, you're reading the books to them, with them. Um, such an important treat to have that final moment of the day bonded with that loved one, showing, I'm here. This isn't changing. I think that's yeah. huge. Yeah, and because, I mean, and I think one of the things that sometimes gets lost in this, and, you know, certainly if you have a different perspective, um, I hope that you'll share it, is that, like, this really is a loss for children, you know, is that, and so they're, because having their parents deployed feels like a loss, there's going to be some grief. And, uh, you know, it was just, some, you know, maybe a month or two ago that we were talking about grief on the show, and we were talking about how some of these rituals um, that become consistent if they weren't before, um, how that can really, you know, help for these children for these children, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, there is an entire grieving process, and um, unfortunately, many of us get stuck in the anger stage, um, and I think it's, um, <laughs> I, I hung out there for a long time, personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may still be a little ticked off. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I think, one of the reasons these children and these parents get in that anger stage is because they feel like they've got to do it alone. You know, the Army does a really good job of Army strong and and Army family Mm -hmm. strong and and all these other things, but the key to success, um, the other key to success is let other people help. Other people want to help. Counselors want to help. Teachers want to help. Your neighbor wants to help. And, and one, it takes some of the burden off of mm-hmm. the parent that's not employed. But it also shows that child and the parent, other people do care. Other people do yeah. know that there is a war going on. And it helps those people feel good and connected. You know, it's a, a little saying that a, a gentleman who, who was offering to help me, and I said, no, no, I have it because, you know, that's – I like to be superwoman like you. Um, I got it. And he said, why would you want to block my blessing? I just want to help you. I let him help. It was awesome. It was great. Total gratitude for that. You know, don't block their blessings. Let them help. Yeah, that's so terrific, too, because I think also it's, you know, besides showing the demonstrating to the child that, um, it, it shows them that we have a larger support group, and you know, and that it, it, I think when children have other adults in their lives that they know care about them and, and you know are um, helpful to them. I mean, that just enriches their life as well. So now they're seeing this first, you know, firsthand, and they're also as a parent. I really love this, Laura. Um, also, as a parent, you're demonstrating it's okay to ask for help, but, you know, and I think that that's something regardless of you know, what the issue is going on with our kids is to be able for our kids to see that we ask for help when we need it, just really model some good behavior. Absolutely. It, it really does. I mean, I think you just said it brilliantly. You are, you're, you're modeling one of the most important things, one of the most important lessons mm-hmm. in life. Um, tangentially, I went to a, uh, 
an author gathering. Chris Matthews wrote a book, and I, I went to see his, his uh, presentation on the book, and he said the number one lesson he learned in life is ask people for help. <laughs> and it's, oh, wow. I mean, it's huge. It was really yeah. great. And, and, and it really, he, he was talking about forgetting a job or forgetting a head in life. But, right. I mean, sometimes you've got to ask people just to get through the day. You know, I think right. that in, right. and for children to recognize that, they don't keep it all inside. They don't go to school and keep it inside until they burst out and act out. It's, mm-hmm. it's slowly letting some of that out. So, it, yes, exactly. Are there the any one thing um, I wanted to... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the one thing I wanted to say about the, import, the importance of this consistency and the routine, like the reading the book at night, is it has to continue even when the deployed parent comes home for that two week of, you know, R&R or that two mm-hmm. week leave time. And then it really has to continue when that deployed parent comes home for good. Otherwise, the child kind of feels like, well, now that mom or dad's home, I'm not important. So I really want, right. I can't express that enough because the transition, bringing that other parent back into the fold can be very challenging. Yeah, and we might even have to do a separate show on that because um, I know that, you know, some people, uh, parents that I've worked with um, as clients, like that was the issue. It's like I had everything running smoothly and now right. my soldier is home and they're ruining everything. <laughs> um, you know, and it's yes. Like, it's, it's really a tough thing. So what are, do you think there are some unique challenges that um, children face when their parent is deployed that, you know, that when other children might face during times of family stress or, or loss or, you know, having a parent that travels for business, you know, per se? Right. It, interestingly enough, um, when, when Fred, my husband, was deployed to Iraq, Madeline was 10 years old. And... Um, she was in, she was in a, a small little private school, um, and several of, the, several of the children in her classroom had, she was the only military child, and several of them had jobs oh. where they traveled. So they tried mm-hmm. to reach out to her and explain how it was really hard for them um, when their daddy was gone, and that they understood. They missed their daddy, too. And oh. Madeline, a very sweet child launched on them all, screamed at them, and said they had no idea because she didn't know if her daddy was going to come home alive. Right. And um, it, that, that constant concern about a parent is such a flip for how life is meant to be. The child is now worried about the parent the child that's deployed, and the child is oftentimes worried about the parent that's not deployed. Because even as good as we are at hiding our, you know, true stress or struggles, and sometimes there's financial stress involved, and sometimes there's, um, you know, marital stress, you know, Mm -hmm. as good as most parents are at containing that, it seeps through. And so the child is now in a position where they're, they're worried about their parents. So I think that becomes a, that's a little different, and it's, a little, it's much further to the extreme. So I think that that, that concern mm-hmm. about death of the parent is huge. And I would say the way I have encouraged other parents and the way I've encouraged some of my clients and the way I tried to encourage it in myself was to just be honest with the child. Yeah. You know, communicate openly. Um, I don't like countdown calendars. Because what if the right. countdown doesn't end well? 
hate them. Right. I tell people, don't even do it. <laughs> count down to Christmas <laughs> if you need to. Count down to Easter. You know, count down to, right. you know, the opening day of the ice cream store, but do not count that down. Um, but I do think that there are, there are ways to support without, without the, the countdown, and there are ways to communicate without making a promise that can't possibly be kept. Um, right. Just a, another anecdote. Madeline, when Fred was in Iraq, <clears throat> Madeline said, came up to me one day. It was a really good day. I was almost in a place where I'd forgotten that I, you know, my husband was in Iraq. I was just enjoying the moment. And uh, Madeline came up uh-huh. and said, hey, Mom, what if Dad dies? What if Daddy dies? Uh-huh. What are we going to do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, what, what do you think we should do? And... Um, she let it be known that she didn't want to move from Florida. She wanted to stay in her same school. She thought we might need to buy a house and we might need to buy a puppy. Um, right. Now that's not to say that she wouldn't have missed her father, but what yeah, she right. was really communicating to me is, hey, have you thought this through? Do you have a plan? Right. Because i got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that you share so a bit, you know, couple things there that I love that you share. Like, one, honestly, it brought tears to my eyes when you said, like, how Madeline, you know, responded to those other children. Because I think part of why we don't, as adults, connect well with some children is we take for granted their position in life, right? And so, you know, um, so, like, that that was just such a shining example of how, like, we would take that for granted. Well, you know, other other kids have dads that go, you know, away too, right, you know. And, and certainly there could be accidents and tragedies, um, but that, like, the whole reason her dad went away is connected, you know, to, to that. Right. You know, it's warfare. So, um, and then the other thing that, you know, you just said about, you know, being being able to be honest and, you know, talk through that. And I love, and I mean, I would have predicted that you would have done this, but is that you didn't get scared off by her anxiety and, her, you know, and her, um, you know, just the way that she just felt was confused about that and was trying to make sense of all that. And I, and I think that that would be really important to parents and other family members and other people who love kids who have a parent who is deployed is to not be scared of their, you know, of their questions. And, and it, you know, it gives us an opportunity to be honest. And, you know, we've talked about this before also on a past podcast. Like, your honesty should be developmentally appropriate. So, you know, you talk about, like in this case, you talk to Madeline about it at a 10-year-old level. You know, you didn't talk to her about it at a, you know, 30-year-old personal level. So thank you for sharing those. Those were, I mean, they just brought it, they really brought it home. And to, to think that, like, um, a child with, you know, deployed parents is worried about their parent who's deployed, but they're also worried about their parent who's home, that's a lot of worry on a child. And to just be able to give that child some outlets for their um, worry, or in more extreme cases, anxiety, um, which I'll remind everybody, anxiety in children looks like irritability. <laughs> um, right. Is, you know, I think <laughs> such, a, a, such a positive thing to just think about, okay, how can I give this child, you know, something, some way to get rid of that? And for lots of kids, especially boys, that, you know, I'm imagining, I imagine that would be a big can do that physically, but even girls, you know, physically or creatively, certainly through play. Play is, you know, going to be one of those things that helps heal and keep kids, 
you know, kind of sane. I don't know a better way to say it, you know, when they're going through um, something that would cause them so much worry. Okay. Phew. All right, I'm done. That was my part. <laughs> was there something else? I just went on a little tirade there. Was there something else you wanted to add when I, um, at that point, Laura, or did, are you ready for another question quick? Oh, no, I, I can take another question. <laughs> okay. So what would be the one thing, and I'm saying one thing because we only already have a few minutes left, um, what would be the one thing that you would say like non-military professionals, educators, um, and maybe mental health professionals who spend time with children should really need to know about um, what these kids are going through? Well, I, I think, again, going back to what we had said about letting the child be the expert, um, Many, many times this is really, I, I'm going to call it simple anxiety and simple depression and, you know, there's no such thing, okay. but um, that's really what you're, you're mostly looking at is this anxiety of, of the uncertainty, um, maybe mm-hmm. depression because of, of going through the loss. Uh, and, and this causes loss for many of the, the, the kids as well. I mean, sometimes they have to move to a new area. They lose their friend base, whatever. Um, many, many complications. But So the treatment part is going to be pretty all-seen anxiety. We've all seen depression. But I think that the nuanced part is really trying to understand, to really trying to, to get into what that child's experience is. And that child can really be an expert in a lot of ways. Um, I had a child, I was working with a child um, in the schools when Fred was in Iraq, whose father was gone um, as well. And we did a lot of sand tray work, and he buried the mm-hmm. soldiers every time. And it, it was disturbing to me <laughs> on a personal level. Right. But, you know, he, he was working through it. He was working through it. And if they're doing it right, it's disturbing you. Um, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but just really allowing them to express, making it a safe place for them to express, allowing them to educate you. Um, we worked on a project, this little boy and I worked on a project where he was kind of doing a book report for me on what mm-hmm. his daddy's job was. And so that Ooh, gave me a great ability to ask those questions of where is daddy working, you know, what, how safe is his, well, not safe, but, you know, what's his schedule, is it structured, what's his job. Mm-hmm. So he really took great pride in educating me on what his father did, which gave him great pride in his father and made mm-hmm. him feel connected. Um, you know, and then we, we did little things where he would pick out some of his, I was in the school, so he would pick out some of his favorite right. classes or his grades, and, and we'd put them together so that he could take them home and have mom send them to dad. And, and just mm-hmm. things like that, just really trying to bridge that gap and understand the, the, the specific role those, those children are, are having. Um, I really yeah. do like working with the family, the whole family, because, as you know, oftentimes, the children are not. The children aren't really the issue. They're the symptom. Right. Um, so a lot of times, it's it's the the mom or the dad that's uh, you know the non-deployed parent is overwhelmed because they've got young kids. Yeah. They've got more than two or three. Um, so offering that that parent that support is huge. Yeah. Well, and I would think that would alleviate some of the child's um, tension, you know, and stress as well, as if they felt like their other parent, you know, had 
an outlet. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I think that's, I see that happen, you know, all the time just in my uh, clinical practice, even with non-military, you know, uh, uh, kids is that you know, kids will feel better if you're connected to their parent. You know, they want they they want to know that you not just support them, that you support their parent too. And I think, like, you know, that's, that's a really important piece. Something else that you just um, said really stuck out to me, um, and it was about connection. And I think um, that that's just really a powerful lesson um, that we can learn from, from you, Laura, is that, you know, part of what we can do to help support um, a child who has a deployed parent is help support the connection to that parent. You know, Absolutely. and it just seems like, oh, th there's so many different things you could do around that. And they can be fun things. You know, they don't all have to be like, you poor thing, your parent is the boy. <laughs> right? So, right, you know, right. So when you're, yeah. So, I mean, there's just, there's just so many um, things that we can do. And it's really um, about, okay, let me see if I can summarize this. You know, being, like, listening to these children, letting them be the expert. Um, being creative and not being like afraid of the things that they're going to tell you. Exactly, and and the other part that I don't want to leave out is that, yeah, I am always in search of the positive. So I will yeah. always point out, look at how mature you are being in this. Look at how well you are handling this. You know, um, look at how independent you're becoming. Because oftentimes these yeah. children do take on chores. Um, they do take on a certain responsibility. So really kind of look at how, how close you and your brothers and sisters are becoming. Look at how close you all are working together. Um, so they get pride in this piece. Yeah. Such a perfect way to end our discussion. You, you have to come back. We have more talking to do. Um, but just to anytime. <laughs> Be a positive detective, right? So thank you so much, Laura, for your time today. And thank, thank you, you very much for having me. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.